Welcome to Coming Out Evil. I'm Harley Honey. And I'm Mick Sedusa. Join our descent into villainy. Hello, evildoers, and welcome back to Coming Out Evil. Yes, so exciting. It's another episode. Woo! You want to let them know what we're up to today? Yeah, we're going to be talking about our favorite villains. Yes. I've been excited for this since we came up with, like, the title of the entire show. It's like, we have to do this at some point. Yeah. <laughs> it makes total sense. I mean, we're coming out evil. Perfect. So, <laughs> basically, what we're going to do is take our top three villains. We're going to start with our third favorite and with our favorite favorite. Go back and forth. Share a little bit about what stands out about them our favorite things about them, maybe a little bit of their origin story or something that's unique to them. And we'll go from there and learn a lot about some villains today, so. Yeah, we're just gonna be going from least to most favorite in our three ranking. Yeah, and maybe if we have any honorable mentions, we can throw those in too. Yes, I do have some honorable mentions. Okay, nice. Okay, cool. So, you want to kick us off with your number three villain? Yeah, so my number three villain is Sharpay Evans. Ooh, starting <laughs> off hot. Yeah, so Sharpay Evans, as I'm hoping that you all know, was in High School Musical and also a bunch of other stuff. Or, wait, no, Ashley Tisdale was. <laughs> Sharpay Evans is a fictional character. Um, <laughs> I love that actually. <laughs> Sharpay Evans was played by Ashley Tisdale, who was in High School Musical and a bunch of other stuff, including Phineas and Ferb. She was also Maddie in The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. And she was Camille on Kim Possible, which oh. was more than a minor character. Like, she had like a few episodes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, she also did a bunch of other stuff. Like, she was definitely Disney's voice acting princess for a while. Right. Yeah. If you ever want me to rant about Ashley Tisdale's career, hit me up, because I can. (laughs) Ashley Tisdale's number one fan over here. (laughs) The thing is, I don't even know if I'm a fan. I just find her career so fascinating. That's valid. (laughs) Like, I don't know. I just think the things that Disney does with its stars is... That's true. You know, a wide variety of things. But she had, like, one of the more positive outcomes of the Disney stars. But anywho, so Sharpay Evans is from the franchise High School Musical. In my opinion, she just wanted to be the lead in a musical. (laughs) And I don't think that's that bad. Now hear me out. She definitely does things that aren't necessarily kind or appropriate towards (laughs) this goal. But we need to remember that she's literally a teenage girl. Right. Like she's literally a high school teenage girl and she really likes doing theater and musical theater stuff and some jock who does not even care about music from her vantage point right like she doesn't know but that's how she feels right so she's like some jock who doesn't care about music is going to swoop in and take the lead in a school musical when i've been putting in all this work and i'm like a senior in the like theater program that's why that's valid that's why i would be pressed too <laughs> And then in the follow-up movie, I think it's High School Musical 2 that they work at a country club. She literally just wants to help Troy get into college. Literally. (laughs) Like, why is she wrong for that? Mind (laughs) you, the trying to steal someone's boyfriend, that's not very nice. That's not hot girl behavior. Yeah, it's not. (laughs) No, valid. Yeah, honestly, besides that one Hawaiian song and singing love songs with her brother, she really doesn't do that much that's like that bad, honestly. Like. I don't know about the songs with her brother. I, I like that they value the like sibling intimacy. That's true. Like I feel like the and I mean I don't have any like quote unquote full siblings. Yeah. So I can't speak on it from like a personal place. But it is nice to see like a dynamic of siblings that do not hate each other mm. and like actually just like each other a lot and like I don't know. I think it's cute. Also, I think that they're supposed to be like fraternal twins. Oh. You know, and I think that's why they're the same grade. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So I think that's why they're like so close to each other because twins tend to be like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know why that's just dawning on me. They're in the same grade. So clearly (laughs) they're twins. Like. Well, they, I don't know, maybe they're, um, what's it called when someone has a baby and then immediately gets pregnant again? Audience, let us know if you can confirm <laughs> whether Sharpay Evans and her brother Ryan are fraternal twins or just really close in age. 
What a banger of a first villain to introduce. Did you have anything else you wanted to say about Sharpay Evans? <laughs> oh, also, not only did she want to help him get into college, she specifically wanted to help him get a scholarship for college, mm-hmm. which is, like, I don't know exactly the demographics of our viewership, but I do think they skew, like, older than college age. So a lot of y'all probably remember... Right. Trying to find scholarships <laughs> as you were applying to college. That shit is not easy. <laughs> and if you're able to get one via some kind of nepotism, like, literally, why not? The right. whole thing is rigged. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, that's fair. And if you don't remember, you will. But <laughs> it is definitely just one of the worst introductions to the rat race type yeah. ideology. Like, it's awful. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, she did nothing but try to set up her boy for success. So yeah hell yeah well excellent good answer steve good answer (laughs) thank you i would definitely be interested to hear what your lowest ranked villain was (laughs) and mind you this is like of our favorites so yeah like when you hear lowest ranked don't think we don't like this villain right i actually love this villain a lot and she's only here because she is so invalid sometimes but (laughs) (laughs) number three for me is Catra from she-ra and the princesses of power oh have you seen that show yeah 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 i love (laughs) Catra. number one bpd representation all day long baby (laughs) number two i just love her demeanor i love how funny she is i love Mm -hmm. hey adora like just everything (laughs) about her is just great and then she also does get a little bit of a redemption arc that i think actually like wasn't rushed i I don't think i remember a lot of her redemption arc got you wanted to refresh and also maybe some viewers oh yeah if you haven't seen she-ra and the princesses of power it is one of the gayest things i've ever seen in my life and we like actually (laughs) get that confirmed like it's not even just left to her interpretation like they were like these are gay people like what's the premise of the show so she-ra is based off of the he-man universe of course but this is an updated version from the 80s show and so adora is our main character and originally she's with this like army that is like doing some genocidal not cute shit she ends up like accidentally running away or getting separated from the army meeting some people that they're attacking and realizing oh we're the bad guys (laughs) Yeah. And she also learns that she is the next champion to like carry on the power of Grayskull with the sword and everything. The Rebellion. <laughs> She's fighting with an army called the Rebellion that's basically world domination shit, but they're being told that they're like helping, that they're like doing the right thing. Yeah, but lots of propaganda. Yeah, so she's definitely in this genocidal army, realizes, oh, what we're doing is fucked up and leaves. And based on that, Catra has a lot of abandonment issues. But even in the first episode, Adora's like, come with me? And Catra's like, no. But then it's mad that she abandoned her. (laughs) We also get told about their backstory and like, they were raised in this army, like from babies. So like, their parenting of sorts is like, these villainous characters who are training them for military type shenanigans. I mean, it's grooming, not parenting. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So it's like, it's cruel, very cold and distant and neglectful. And so they both have like some fucked up parenting things they're working through. But whereas Adora was like, no more. Catra was like, how dare you? So, but she's so funny. She's great. And then she does have like a well-earned redemption arc, I think. Like it happens slowly where she like, she's trying to kill Adora during the first couple of seasons. Like she is Mm -hmm. mad. But then eventually she meets her friend Glimmer. They're both in prison somewhere. There's like an alien that's holding them hostage. I don't want to give too much away, but they're like kind of talking. You kind of see her soften up before she does like this great act of kindness to free her mm-hmm. so and then after that she's like still working through all of her trauma but also is working towards like being more open and loving and transparent with adora and all her friends and everything so i just love that for her i love that we see somebody like struggling with those things and get a chance to work it out and get out of that instead of just getting typecast as villain the whole time yeah that's um, really cool yeah i just love that character so much i would love to cosplay her at some point but <laughs> but she is very invalid sometimes which is why she's number three because yeah, yeah. Redemption can be so difficult it's true and i also think that show does a piss poor job at the other redemption arcs they do too like i think that's the only semi-decent one they do in that oh, show so yikes. yeah but 
Also, just as an autistic person, I tend to be just not willing to accept a redemption arc sometimes. As well. <laughs> like, the only time I've ever watched something and enjoyed the redemption arc is Avatar The Last Airbender. Valid. Obviously. Right. <laughs> yeah, that show's got its pros and cons. But overall, very gay, very cute. I like it a lot. Yeah, I remember being entertained, and I did watch all of it. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Number two. Number two. Okay. So my number two is Q from Star Trek. Ooh, tell me more. I haven't watched Star Trek. So Q is like an interdimensional being who I find really annoying, actually. And the reason that I have him in this ranking is because I hate him so much. (laughs) I'm impressed. (laughs) So just to like backtrack a little he was played by john delancey who also was in a bunch of other stuff but he was in my little pony also he was a voice in my little pony who was he discord <gasps> i love my little pony so much actually oh my god nobody look at me but like... <laughs> oh it's fine you are not the first uh, polyamorous queer person i've dated who likes my little you pony. know that's fair we're we're out here <laughs> yeah. that's so funny with discord though yeah. wow who like am i wrong is that also a villain in that yeah. show Oh, yeah. Kind of, yeah. Well, like, <laughs> <laughs> He's kind of a silly little guy villain, so like, I that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> so that's funny. Oh my god. <laughs> well, Q is also kind of a silly little guy villain, but he also plays a not silly little guy villain, Odin in Charmed. If you remember that character. Oh, was he a warlock? He was one of the Grand White Lighters. Like he was in the White Lighter Council. Oh, yeah. Yeah. okay. That character's also in my honorable mentions, actually. Nice. Because that nice. was a whole mess. <laughs> but yeah, so John Delancey, really interesting discography. Or that's not what it's called. <laughs> that's for me. Filmography? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. He played interesting roles. I am keeping that in, and I'm letting you know now. <laughs> Uh, John Delancey comes out with music. (laughs) Okay, yes. So Q, who is played by him, is from the franchise Star Trek. He is in several different Star Trek series. He makes lots of appearances, but he's mainly in Star Trek The Next Generation. So that's when, in the timeline of Star Trek, they first meet Q. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So he did a whole bunch of wacky shit to them that made me so mad. The first time they meet him, he makes them go on trial, basically, and is like, oh, I'm going to put humanity on trial oh and like has them do like a strange series of tests and like will not tell them why oh and like the stakes are so high for no reason that's the thing is he likes to make the stakes really high but like will not explain what's happening but then claim afterwards that it was for humanity's own good ew yeah (laughs) but yeah just like really mysterious but overarching motives there was also the time so he's part of a collective basically of which are like other godlike interdimensional beings. He just has way too much power for being so silly and illogical. Valid. <laughs> but they shun him or something, and so he goes to the Enterprise. These people who he's been tormenting at seemingly random and is like, hey, can I like come be in your crew and I'll like help guide you through something that you wouldn't be able to navigate through without me. <laughs> And then he gets all rejection sensitive because they're like, no thanks. Yeah, he gets like all pissed off. At some point, I don't remember if it's in that exact episode, but he gets mad at them. I think it's from that episode. And he sends them into the path of the Borg, which is a whole big overarching villain. They're like the most dangerous species they come across they like assimilate people into robots basically and like turn you into a robot forever and keep you but yeah so he the board did not or it was unclear whether the board knew about humanity before he did that oh yeah wow and so they become a persistent antagonist the whole rest of the series and it's always been debated like whether somehow q knew in advance or like somehow q knew that the borg already knew of humanity and maybe the borg were already on their way and so what he did actually 
actually gave them advanced warning oh. or if he was what introduced humanity to oh, the Borg. That's a rough spot to be in. <laughs> yeah. But in a different Star Trek series that came out a while later in Star Trek Enterprise, which is my least favorite Star Trek. Um, <laughs> is that the one with the like Western opening? Like the weird? Yeah. <laughs> it feels Western for no reason. <laughs> like, I mean, I kind of get the vibe because it's like space, the final frontier. Right. But yeah. <laughs> Star Trek Enterprise, in that show, they confirm retroactively that he was giving them forewarning. So the Borg already knew yeah. about humanity and they were on the way. And yeah. so it would have just been a surprise if he hadn't done that. We're supposed to believe he was being helpful. <laughs> even though he was taunting them the whole time. I hate oh, him. No. I hate him so much. <laughs> Thanks for coming to my TED I enjoyed it thoroughly. Like... <laughs> One day I will start Star Trek. I'm just so overwhelmed with how much Star Trek there is. I <laughs> like, mean, you don't have to. No, there's I've, a I've, lot of Star Trek. I've been wanting to for years. I'm just, then I wait longer and then there's more Star Trek. I'm like, yeah. oh no, <laughs> like, I just need to start at some point. But definitely thank you for that. That was great. Hell yeah. So my number two is Harley Quinn. Oh. Yeah, I have been trying to closet cosplay as Harley Quinn since high school. Like uh-huh. I was allowed to celebrate Halloween, like sneaking to school with a red top underneath. And then my <laughs> friends would have accessories when I got on the bus and like, Oh, wow. It's been a long time that I've been, like, a fan of Harley Quinn. And, you know, at first it was the whole Joker, Harley Quinn, like, things to unpack. But (laughs) even, like, as I got into college, I was like, damn, this is literally, like, a queer, STEM-focused, domestic violence survivor. Like, BPD representation. Like, how do I not love that? Like... (laughs) And I also like, I mean, I've always loved how funny and silly she is. I've loved how much agency they've given her the more content of hers comes out. They based it off of this woman off of a different show and they were like, oh, this will be like a nice throwaway character for Batman the Animated Series back in the 90s. Mm-hmm. They thought they were just introduce her for one episode, but then people immediately were like, this is one of the best things y'all have done in a long time. <laughs> so she stuck around and like, she's really gone from like this two dimensional Joker's girlfriend character to like mm-hmm. having her own full on show now and movies and comedy comic book series on comic book series at this point <laughs> and even like in some of the original comics before the series there was like a comic book where black canary was giving birth and harley quinn comes with like a little baby muzzle <laughs> and so because she's like in case she has the same powers you do like you deserve oh. some rest mama so like she's always been like a very sweet but villainous person like <laughs> And I like how in the new show, too, she's really, like, struggling with being a villain, being a hero. What does that mean? What does she want? And, like, I don't know. Yeah. I, just, I just always loved her. And I think, like, I just love how much they're, like, really delving into her character. And, oh, my God, that episode of Harley Quinn, the series, too, when she remembers, like, a repressed memory where she thought Joker pushed her into the vat of acid, but she oh, chose yeah. to jump. I was like, oh, <laughs> that should make me cry the first time. Cause I was like, if that ain't the realest shit I've ever seen yeah. in my life. Like, yeah. So I just, I don't know. I just really, I love her. I think she's an icon for a reason. Yeah, I definitely enjoy her representation in the like Harley Quinn the animated series. I think it's really cool and interesting as a different take on her. Yeah. For sure. And that scene with her like uncovering the repressed memory Oof. and like finding the, you know, <laughs> what really happened. Like I think it's interesting because as abuse survivors, like our brains do rewire things <laughs> to make things feel more comfortable. It's a survival mechanism, right? Because some things are hard to wrestle with. So I also think it's interesting that not only do they show that but they show like that she was ready to remember that in that moment if that makes sense because repressed memories like sometimes they just be popping up and it's like very inconvenient for sure but I also think that like it was interesting to see like someone have growth Mm -hmm. and like that growth precede them remembering something or uncovering something like that because she could withstand it and move forward and like you know the plot progressed or whatever that episode but yeah I thought that that was cool and I also look because that's the same episode where they're trying to find their like lair for her to live yeah and they like have this real estate agent and they're like what about this one what about this one she's like I don't know and I'm like, well, what do you want? Who are you as a villain? And she's like, I don't know. Which is like, if that's not quintessential borderline personality disorder, I don't know what is. Like, oh, what do you mean? Well, like the lack of sense and identity and stuff. Oh, I see. Yeah, which I feel like I struggle with a lot. Like, I, a lot of times I'm like, how do I even describe? Like, I don't know what I want a lot. Because like, mm-hmm. for people who live in survival mode for so long, we're so stuck in what we need 
that it's hard to even imagine a life free from that. Like, what would I do if I had free time or free money or whatever? Like, yeah. it's really hard to get you to know yourself after abuse and survival. So, like, I don't know. There's just so many. Oh, it's just delicious what they've done with that show. <laughs> um, it's just, oh, and then there's communist Joker. Oh, there's. <laughs> Or socialist? I think socialist Joker, yeah. Still. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's bold. <laughs> it's arroz con pollo from Mikasa to Sukasa. Mm-hmm. And is that an ethnic dish or It sure is ethnic. Speaking of racist. racist. <laughs> <laughs> It's so good. But yeah, I'm like, oh, back to the repressed memory thing, too. Like, I remember we had a conversation about me dropping out of school. And I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, I dropped out because of an abusive relationship. And then you were like, well, because you prioritize the relationship. And I was like, oh, like, I feel like that was my moment of like falling into the acid. <laughs> like, yeah, that's the thing is, like, it felt like somebody really, someone like us was involved in the writing of that. Right. Shit. How did someone's brain come up with such an intricate metaphor? I hope they got head today. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or if you were the person who was the like advocate or the consultant behind the psychology and survivor aspects of Harley Quinn the animated series, I hope you got head today. And if not, feel free to hit me up. But <laughs> no, yeah, and like I don't. I want to be clear that I do not mean like to place any blame. Like the, right. the jumping in the acid isn't your fault, right? Like right. In a way, you were pushed. And so that's why she remembered it that way originally. But it's like, it's just hard when you're in a survival situation to recognize the places where you have agency even. Like it messes your brain up so much that things that are fully possible don't actually feel like they are possible. Entirely, you just feel so powerless. And in a lot of situations too, like there's these highly coercive environments, right? Exactly. If she was to be like, Joker, you made me jump in the ass and he's like, no, I didn't. But then if she was to push further and be like, would you have broken up with me if I didn't, right? So it's like, there's these environments of like, they know what you want. Or that they've gotten you so addicted to this relationship and attention and affection and everything. And they will use that against you. So it's like, but it is hard going back in retrospect and being like, oh, there was agency there. I didn't have access to for some reason. Yeah. But moving forward, I can't have access to it now. And it is hard to not blame yourself in that process. But It's not that you were prioritizing the relationship. It's that you were not prioritizing you, if that makes sense. Huh. Like, <laughs> like you separate, like as your own individual from that relationship, probably would have liked to stay in school and yeah. liked to graduate. That's and true. Do all those things. So it's your own desires that you were deprioritizing. And I don't know where you were ranking everything else, but <laughs> I you were ranking you low. That's so it's true. not like you were ranking school low because it's like you would have liked school. So you were ranking you low. When you actually date real life Harley Quinn, <laughs> actually got a psychology degree, like it's, it's brutal. Oh, that's yeah, the- do people know, like I have a psych degree and that's part of why Harley I has, myself. Harley has three degrees, so y'all One should know. Is a psychology yeah. degree. <laughs> but yeah, and I think that's another interesting aspect of Harley Quinn is that she is a psychologist. So she's very self-aware of a lot of these things. Yeah. And we'll even have conversations with like, I don't know, they like portray it as like her sane self or like her pre-Harley Quinn self. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, like talking about all these things. So I think that's another thing is like being a self-aware person with BPD. It's like, I can see myself doing these things and yeah. I don't want to be doing these things. <laughs> it's like that John Mulaney bit where he's like, I also don't want to be here <laughs> doing the U-turn in traffic or whatever. Like, I see you looking at me and I also don't like this. But, yeah, so I just, yeah. Harley Quinn's that girl. True. We want to throw in some honorable mentions. Oh, yeah. I have honorable mentions. <laughs> Hell yeah. Firstly, that puddle of tar that kills Tasha Yar in Star Trek. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Why was that almost a bar though? That tunnel of par that killed Tasha Yar in Star Trek. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. I only know like two very basic beatboxing. <laughs> <right now. laughs> yes. Yeah, so I think it's just an amusing like fandom meme that literally a puddle of tar killed off a major character because she didn't feel like being on the show anymore. And they had to figure out a way to kill her off real quick. So it was literally a puddle of tar. That's crazy, actually. Yeah. That's so good. I love that. Okay. 
this is kind of a dishonorable mention. Oh. I don't know. Okay, I'll just say it. It is the Nowhere King from Centaur World. Oh. I think season one, absolutely one of the scariest villains I've ever seen in a show, especially a Y7 show. That was insane. But then season two, I just, it got so weird. And it had so much potential. And I liked the idea of making him a complicated villain. Like, I clearly am. I love that. Yeah. But the romance aspect was too weird for me. It was forced, it felt like. He had so much potential. <laughs> it was weird. It was forced. It was not cute. But <laughs> <laughs> it's had to have into course over force. It's a course. <laughs> yeah. Why did they write that? Like I don't that? know. Never. <laughs> But yeah, honorable mention for season one, Nowhere King. Dishonorable mm-hmm. mention for season two, Nowhere King. <laughs> I think that makes sense to me. Especially since I would not let my seven-year-old watch. I don't know if I'd let a seven-year-old watch any of that show, but especially <laughs> not the second half. I just feel like the messaging gets extra Very weird. weird. And even in the first season, like I love watching it because I'm working through some things and they touch on some of those things, but those things are not Y7 things. No. Like, not even a little bit. How did they get away with that? I don't know. I I don't know. I don't know. How but do these rating systems? I'm curious. <laughs> Look out for a solo episode. <laughs> so you're telling me you can't say the word fuck, but you can have a whale tar that eats people that are tired of living. <laughs> Please explain that to me and how that's more appropriate for a mineral. <laughs> but I digress. <laughs> are you ready for another honorable mention? Yeah. So, the Decepticons from Transformers. (laughs) Specifically, Megatron and Starscream. Starscream! I think that they're pretty equally ranked. Have you seen Transformers? I thought that you haven't. I've seen the first three, but there's like a million, right? Yeah, there are a lot in their like animated series. Oh yeah, there's a lot of Transformers content out there. Yeah, I did see some of the animated series and I saw the at least the first two, if not three, live-action Transformer movies. I was big into Transformers. I have a picture of me with Bumblebee at some point. Oh, cute. Yeah, so. <laughs> no, those are good, though. Hell yeah. Second honorable mention, Alpha Buff and Wicked. Oh, okay. I guess she is a villain, but mm-hmm. she's not the antagonist. Right. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I think, because I mean, okay, even if we take away the Wicked story, right? You show up, your sister's dead. Yeah. I would, that, I'd yeah, be pressed. I'd be pressed too. Like, <laughs> so that's this episode's motto. I'd be pressed right? too. <laughs> and she was like, give me back my sister's shoes. And she was like, no. It's like, you killed her. <laughs> like, even if we didn't have Wicked, she was kind of valid. <laughs> like, yeah. But with Wicked, we get another beautiful, complicated, delicious villain origin story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I beautiful just, sounds. Beautiful sounds. Beautiful yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like Wicked. Wicked's one of my favorite musicals. Oh, it's so good. Oh. And I'm real picky with musicals. Mm-hmm. My next honorable mention is God from Supernatural, <laughs> also known as Chuck. I thought you were just going to say God. (laughs) I thought about it, I did. My next honorable mention, God. (laughs) Villain, through and through. (laughs) What's your favorite thing about God and Supernatural, aka Chuck? I think that they draw interesting parallels to like, it's a uh, funny hee hee ha ha how they <laughs> say things about him and critique him in ways that you could also critique the Christian God, which at the beginning of the series is the lore that they are mm. sticking to. So like Chuck basically, like he's God, right. okay? He at first pretends that he's like a writer for God oh. and then reveals that he is literally God. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at first he tricks them and then also he just abandons them. So he's just been hanging out, being a writer, not taking care of or tending to the world at all. Right. He just made everything, got bored, and then decided to be a writer, just live as a human writer for a while. And the way they find this out is because they start hearing about books that seem very, like, much exactly like their lives. And it's because he's just publishing 
stuff because he's God, so he knows what literally happens. Right. So he's just publishing these stories without their consent, and it's a whole thing. Oh, no. Yeah. They add a layer to the lore where there are, like, multiple universes now, and the overarching conflict or tension is that God has apparently been, like, it's revealed that God has been making universes, like, you make a universe, not, like, something small about it, and just make another one. And he just kept doing that at Infinum. And that's oh. why there are so many universes. Ah. Yeah. I've never heard a take on the multiverse theory that stressed me out so much. <laughs> like, that's crazy. <laughs> multiverse theory, but it is some bored ADHD god. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh my Chuck. <laughs> oh my Chuck. I definitely think that's a line in the I'd believe it. Uh, that seems like something that if would happen. If not, it should be. Right. <laughs> CW, I'm right here. Yeah. I feel like we gotta give it up for Ursula. Oh, yeah. Ursula's just... I think she's a classic case of she did nothing wrong. Like I had... mean, she definitely tricked a child, but... That's valid. <laughs> but she also had the contract. It was right there. But what, why can a minor sign contracts? That's valid, too. <laughs> but she, she did nothing did wrong. wrong. Oh. She's hurt and traumatized. And so I under- see that's the I'd be pressed too. <laughs> I would be pressed too. That's valid. That's valid. <laughs> but yeah. And I'm talking OG Ursula. We saw the live action Little Mermaid. Let's just not go there. But the OG Ursula, she's everything. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking about the live action Little Mermaid. That so man with the bad Jamaican accent, they cut the problems below they cut the french fish song why was it two hours oh my god it was so unbearable why did eric get an i want song and the only things good about it were hallie and aquafina that was brave of you to say on the podcast but yeah i mean i'm clearly upset about this (laughs) i hear you like, I don't want you to take that as praise as for Aquafina. I want you to take that as, a, as a measure for how bad I thought this movie was. <laughs> it was so bad. I just want Hallie to just be Ariel. Yeah, I want a cut of the movie that's just her and nothing else. Like, <laughs> even just crop it in so I don't see anything else. Right. Because some of the visuals were also wild. Right. I feel like, like, why did they make flounder literally just look like a flounder? Nasty, nasty, nasty. But yeah. Anyway, Ursula's that girl. <laughs> we got a fat girl. She's queer representation. Like, you know, I love her. And based off of, what's her name? Divine. Yeah. Yes, a drag queen. Thank I love you. her. Yes. My next honorable mention is Dr. Doofenshmirtz. <laughs> Incorporated. I just started watching that show the other day because <laughs> I wanted to get to Boston. But. Okay, yes. Yeah, so I, if you have not seen Phineas and Ferb, Dr. Doofenshmirtz is the villain in Phineas so and Ferb. Goofy. He's never a real threat. So goofy. Yeah, he's only briefly a real threat in the like little Disney Channel original movie yeah. they made. But yeah, he's just silly. I think that it's a funny little character. His arch nemesis is a platypus. Harry the platypus. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Did you have another honorable mention? We gotta give it up for Frankenfurter. Oh. We forget he's a villain, but he is the villain of that yes. movie. <laughs> we've been working on our auditions for a Rocky Horror Picture Show this week, and so we've really got to spend a lot of time with his songs, but yeah. oh my god, he's just so funny. Dream role. But also <laughs> lobotomizing people and murdering them and cannibalizing them. So undoubtedly a villain, but also hot girl. <laughs> Come on! It's just so great. Yes, yeah, so the audition song that, uh, that I did, one of them anyway, was, what's it called? I Can Make You a Man, the reprise, because mm-hmm. I like the silly little woo. Shake. Shake. <laughs> it's okay. And I mean, I've been like, so my parents met a Rocky Horror, and then I grew up with it since like at least high school. So I just, that's been such a close one for so long at this point. Like, 
I just love Frank. I just have so many good memories of singing his songs with people. Like it's just sweet. I love him. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know there was a call and response culture also because I had just saw the movie for the very first time a couple days ago in preparation for this audition that <laughs> I thought I should actually watch it you know. in some form but Nick Sedusa has the DVD actually, with, all the, <laughs> with all the bonus features <laughs> so we watched it once just regular and mm-hmm. then we also watched it with the audience interaction audio on so that we could hear the callbacks. And it was on him. Oh my gosh. I thought it was like occasional like Brad comes on screen asshole Janet slut but it's like the entire movie's a conversation. Yeah which is hilarious honestly. (laughs) Some of those call and responses I was not ready for. Yeah. But (laughs) definitely check if you're looking for some kind of guidance for call and responses. If you're using a script, definitely read it all the way through before (laughs) you watch the movie because some of these scripts have random xenophobia and anti-Semitism in them. (laughs) It's It's weird. Yeah. So be careful. Yes. Honestly, probably the best way to learn the call and responses is to go to multiple shows. True that. Which I'd really like to do. Yeah. Okay, this is my fifth one. Cole slash Balthazar slash the source of all evil from Charmed. That's a good one. Yeah. So in Charmed, okay, there are a lot of antagonists, but one of the first antagonists is someone who is dating one of the three sisters. Mm -hmm. And he poses basically as like this wonderful partner but the whole time is a demon named balthazar but he's posing as a man named cole and at some point you know twists and turns in the show he becomes the source of all evil and then they have to destroy him and they actually have to destroy him like three separate times if you go to the fan wiki it may be more than three but if you go to the fan wiki and you look at the very beginning normally fan wikis will say like when the character lived and when they died or were killed if they were a villain and they have like several different sections for several different ways they tried to kill him. <laughs> that's funny yeah because they keep thinking that he's dead and then he'll reappear like you watched it like they'll yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah love that <laughs> my next honorable mention is gonna have to be poison ivy Ooh. i think dc really just knows what the fuck they're doing with villains honestly yeah i think even before villain sympathizer stories like they just really were good about making good complicated villains but yeah poison ivy also did nothing wrong she's literally an eco-terrorist and i love that for her like as she should be but <laughs> what's wrong with caring about the environment exactly oh i'm saying she literally just wants to like kill billionaires and stop oil production and literally. do science like if we would just cooperate i think she could fix everything i welcome our planty overlords honestly yes. so yeah she's that girl and she's queer she loves harley my last one is Zuko. I Ooh. think I maybe mentioned it before. It's just my favorite redemption arc. That's a good one. Yeah. Really, honestly, the only redemption arc I really vibe with and don't have many critiques of. That's fair. I just don't have a lot of critiques of that show in general. That show is pretty great. It's pretty great. It's not perfect. I feel like there is like one thing I normally have to say about it, but I'm not remembering right at this moment. Fair. So it must be kind of small. <laughs> yeah. No, that's so fair. Man, that's a good one. I don't know if I can follow that one up. Like... <laughs> well, that was my last one. For the for the redemption. Yeah. And I also appreciate seeing characters on TV with facial scars. I have sure. a facial scar. Well, I actually have two facial scars, but one of them isn't as noticeable as the other because I wear glasses. Mm. So I don't know if I, yeah, sometimes I don't know if it's appropriate to claim I have multiple facial scars, but I have a scar under my nose Mm. and also between my like eyes. So I like enjoy seeing characters with like scars and stuff like that because people, I know, it doesn't get shown a lot. That's true. It's it's unfortunate he must be a villain at first. Right. You know? That was one of the things we enjoyed about The Little Mermaid is that she had a facial scar. Yeah. And they CGI'd the fuck out of that movie, so they could have yeah. CGI'd that out and they chose not to, which was It's great. in a similar place to mine, the one between her eyes, too. I love that. Yeah. I think the only other villain, honestly, that I would give an honorable mention to is I loved Portal in the Spider-Verse. Like, oh. he was just a silly little guy. And then he became so evil. Yeah. He but also valid. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's like when he first started talking, I was like, what? You don't make any sense. But then he was like, you literally left me in the room and it exploded. And now I have these weird powers and I'm suffering. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, he he could have just made sure it was empty in there. Yeah. Yeah. It just... Uh... He was valid. Yeah. <laughs> really great villain. That movie, Spider-Verse movies, oh, they're so good. That second one, I'm still recovering from, but it was so good. <laughs> oh, that reminds me. What are the names of each of these movies? Oh, the first one and the second one? Yeah. The first one's Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, I think. And then the second one's Across the Spider-Verse. Then what's the third one? Beyond the Spider-Verse. Oh. Oh, that could i know can they just be numbered? <laughs> <laughs> did not feel that shrek one two three we grew up in the right era you know they just they really Wait, what is meant by beyond the spider-verse then i don't know because the other ones were literal than the first movie they went into the spider-verse the second movie they traveled across the spider-verses what is about to happen beyond me spider god i don't know <laughs> spider chuck spider god spider god <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't even know but oh. but yeah so that movie ended i saw the title the next one's beyond the spider verse and i just lost it because i was like what does that even mean yeah. <laughs> but so good oh, yes. delicious oh. movie good palate cleanser after watching the little mermaid correct <laughs> all right i think we're ready for your number one villain so my number one villain is Incrediboy, <laughs> aka Syndrome, aka Buddy Pine. <laughs> That's good. Good answer, Steve. Good answer. Wow, that was unexpected, but that's so good. That was like a sleeper one ready to go. <laughs> I just, I was sitting and I wrote out just a whole list of characters that I liked or villains that I liked mm -hmm. rather and uh, just really evaluated like which of these would I be the most excited to talk about and honestly <laughs> come on <laughs> syndrome is so good we see such a origin story yeah and like the very I remember the very first time I watched the Incredibles and I just wasn't expecting that to happen at all like Fair. I was a little kid and I was like whoa he's that mad <laughs> dang yeah but honestly, valid. Right. He's also got one of the best quotable lines. Like, oh ever. yeah, I have a link with quotes. Um, <laughs> good, good, good. Ready? I'll let you do that. <laughs> okay, Jason Lee. Oh, I know who Jason Lee is. I didn't realize that's who voiced him. Yeah. Oh my God. He plays Dave on Alvin and the Chipmunks and is also on My Name Is Earl. That's crazy. I don't think I've seen My Name is Earl. Oh <laughs> my god. It's a pretty great sitcom, actually. Like, we don't talk about it right now, but it's pretty cute. <laughs> he was also apparently the voice of Charlie in the Wee Bear Bears movie. <gasps> I love Wee Bear Bears. Oh yeah, and also in 22 episodes of Wee Bear Bears. <gasps> Holy shit. <laughs> oh, that's right, Charlie. I know it. Oh, that is him. Oh my god. Oh my fucking god. <laughs> but yes, this is from the franchise being <laughs> his villainy, in my opinion, is being traumatized as a 10-year-old. I don't think that's his fault. Right. <laughs> because, so basically, if you've not, if you've somehow not seen The Incredibles, okay, spoiler ahead, because I'm about to tell you about this villain's origin story, is that one day, Incrediboy, as a child, as a small child, right. approaches Mr. Incredible and is like, I'm your biggest fan, like, I love you, and I want to be your sidekick, you know? And he's being really pushy about it because he's a child, and Mr. Incredible literally yells at him okay and uh, shoes him away and then one night mr incredible is facing bomb voyage and buddy <laughs> shows up with a pair of like rocket boots because he wants to help and he flies off to go get the police but bomb voyage has like placed a bomb on him and so mr incredible has to let the baddie escape to go get the bomb off of this child Aww. yeah and so mr incredible is you know irritated and he gets mad because he feels like incredible was like meddling in all of this yeah but then we see buddy like get really upset and stop idolizing him like we see him tear off it was very dramatic. He like has a huge poster of Mr. Incredible. <laughs> he like tears it from the wall. <laughs> Big drama. But I just don't think that like again, I'd be pressed too. Because why would you yell at a child and right. then be surprised? <laughs> 
confused that this child who was already like giving genius abilities because he built like a pair of rocket boots like you really just let that fall to the wayside right i just think that's an irresponsible thing for someone with lots of child fans to do and i know that this is like fiction and he's a superhero but i mean like i think that people who have child audiences like are responsible for being kind to them and not traumatizing them or you know, needlessly mistreating them, him <laughs> calling Ballinger. Literally, <laughs> literally that. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I also think that it's interesting. Like, he's a silly, goofy guy, but he also is like so vindictive and cruel simultaneously. <laughs> it's like a wild dichotomy because he's not silly, goofy all the time. Like, he is unhinged. <laughs> he's not okay. No. <laughs> and in that, very relatable. But I think that it's interesting because he also still is like you see it come through that he's still a fan of superheroes is like fascinated by superheroes right. even while he's fighting them he'll like make note of if they do something entertaining or impressive <laughs> which just feels like more mockery right <laughs> and also he i think has a lot of good qualities that i'm sad that didn't get to develop in a positive way because he was traumatized yeah. he's really persistent obviously <laughs> and really creative and intelligent and all of these things that could have been nurtured yeah but instead of getting nurtured he wound up very villainous and bitter yeah. which is the thing that happens <laughs> i also would be amiss to not mention how quotable he is <laughs> good 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 yes he is incredibly quotable i have like a whole list of a bunch of quotes yeah. but i think that honestly my two favorites are and they caught busy because <laughs> he's like got them trapped in a ray gun and notices that they have children now mr and mrs incredible so he turns his attention to the children like oh you got married oh and got busy <laughs> Like, I can't do justice to the delivery of yeah. that line. Just, so good. Just something about the way he delivered busy. They got busy. busy. <laughs> oh, goodness. And then there's also, you swiped off, you almost got me monologuing. Because, <laughs> like, I don't know, it's a funny villain trope. Right. They just chose to subvert. And the thing is that in that scene, like he goes, oh, you almost got me monologuing. And then he does get back on track and beats him. Right. Because he stayed focused. Right. <laughs> He's like, oh, you had me monologuing. <laughs> so good. So funny. That was an incredible top villain. That was, that was really fucking good. <laughs> There's also this one line, and I forget the context, honestly, but it's all right. Try this one on for size, big boy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming he's calling Mr. Incredible Big Boy. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> I had such a hard time getting into The Incredibles because I just find Mr. Incredible so triggering for a lot of reasons. Mm -hmm. But like Syndrome, I feel like it'd be worth it to rewatch like just for <laughs> Syndrome alone. The last line I forgot about, I'm realizing, is he's introducing a new weapon that he built <laughs> that is adaptive. So he basically builds these drones and they are like, they learn based on the fighting that they experience. So he had a drone fight Mr. Incredible and lose, but then based off of that, made a better drone that Mr. Incredible lost to. And as he's introducing it, he goes, it's bigger, it's better. Ladies and gentlemen, it's too much for Mr. Incredible. <laughs> he's so sassy. Wow, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> and on that note, that's all of my villains. That's so fucking good. Oh my God. Absolute banger of a top villain to have. <laughs> Thank you. I'm curious what your top villain is. So I feel like this could change depending on the day you ask me, honestly. Mm -hmm. But I do have a real soft spot for Maleficent. Oh, yeah. I feel like if I were to guess, that's what I'd guess on any day. That's fair. Because I just, okay, there's, there's so many things. <laughs> we have another case of even without her sympathizer movie, she is correct. <laughs> right? So let me just <laughs> bring you up to speed real quick. But in medieval culture, right? So an event like a royal christening, you invite everybody, mm -hmm. all the fairies. They didn't invite her. That's disrespectful as hell. She came up still and was like, hey, I don't know if my invitation got lost. I don't know what happened, but I'm here. 
And then they still continue to disrespect her. And she's like, okay, now I'm going to curse your baby. So, like, <laughs> even in the what original the movie. Baby do? <laughs> what is the no, baby in it? But she was correct, though, also. <laughs> and then also, she, like, has firepower. She could become a dragon. Like, she's just OP. With her villain sympathizing movie, with mm-hmm. her as the main protagonist, we learn the history of her and the king, which is confirmed to be an allegory of, like, her whole body getting violated like oh. she had these as you remember she had these giant wings and then she mm-hmm. wakes up with them cut off because oh, steven yeah. went to like hunt and like show it off as a trophy or whatever mm-hmm. so like that is an allegory for like her body getting violated mm-hmm. and so then now that's the prologue for her not getting to invited to this party and she was like hey you done violated me i'm still gonna show up and support your baby and then they still continue to disrespect her and she's like okay still but then in the movie too even after she curses the baby she still like is there helping mm-hmm. raise the child and taking care of it and like being there for aurora and stuff so like they really changed that which i think is sweet and she's just, oh, she's just i love the dark fae <laughs> look i love like her looks and everything i love how she just takes no shit i love how she's so like she's just like a burning bridges queen like i just every time i'm like i mean it's literally in my song but like just dead ass she's just that girl she's just so cool <laughs> no that's great i also love her dark fae energy yeah it's a really cool aesthetic it really is and like i had never heard of the term dark fae honestly before mm-hmm. maleficent but yeah it's just it's so good like yeah. i also feel like the makeup artist ate ate that yeah like Ugh. no crumbs because she looks great yeah <laughs> in that movie honestly like i feel like if i ever started doing prosthetics i would start with the cheekbones from maleficent because mm-hmm. i just oh they're just so cool they and, like, are such a good movie but <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i think disney and dc really know how to do it with those villains like yeah. they just really have the formula down they've been doing it so long that's true yeah it's true and yeah as much as i love marvel not a single one made the list because i just the marvel villains don't really eat like that (laughs) yeah maybe venom but mm. like when i was younger and i'd get into the little marvel versus dc squabbles like even as i was advocating for marvel like i would be thinking you could crush me so easily by just mentioning the villains <laughs> name a single dc villain it's over yeah like even like mr freeze trying to like cure his wife's cancer and that's why he became oh my god because he couldn't afford her cancer treatment that shit took me out yeah like cool like they just knew how to do it and like does marvel actually have a consistent concept of physics and the way time works yeah. sure right and that's what i'd say that's right I'd say. exactly like that's that's the argument because dc had to create new universes new timelines to make it all make sense yeah. that's crazy but their villains ate so <laughs> which is what matters at the end like what is making it difficult for me personally anyway to suspend my disbelief normally isn't like it's that the relationships and like the depth of the characters feels mm-hmm. so real so it's much easier to feel like emotionally submerged in a DC story because mm-hmm. the characters are so complex. But like Marvel stuff is definitely entertaining to watch and read, but like I'm not leaving the theater like unpacking anything emotionally, no. you know? Yeah. yeah, you're right. Like it just does not hit the same at all. Like yeah. I digress. Maybe we'll <laughs> DC versus Marvel. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for joining us on our little villain countdown. Yeah. Thanks for hanging out and listening to us ramble and rant and rave. <laughs> the villainous things. Yes. Schemes. Plots. <laughs> I love it. We'll be back in two weeks doing something. And we'll see y'all then. Yeah. We'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us. If you want to keep up with us, we're on all sorts of social media and you can check us out on our website, which is linked right in this episode description. Yeah, the description might be a tad long, so click see more and you should be able to see it. Also, check out our merch. We have a bunch of really cute merch that you should go enjoy because it's absolutely fucking adorable. I'm obsessed with it. Like, objectively obsessed with it. (laughs) Yes, we have all sorts of stuff, including a Yassified Lord Bar 
quad than yeah. I designed myself. It is so good. There's a pro-evil radical femme design that's on a bunch of merch. I have a duffel bag and a tote bag for it because I'm so obsessed with it. Like, it's just so good for all your evil bimbo needs. Go check it out. Yeah, go check us out. And thanks for listening. Bye! <laughs> Hell yeah. Music by Audionautics.com Thank you.